Well, we're kind of right in the middle of this season that leads up to Easter that we call Lent in the church. It's a season of preparation, um, sometimes introspection. But for us here in Chapel Roswell during this Lent season, uh, we are taking this time to follow Jesus as he navigated not only the geography, but also the human condition and made his way towards the cross and the tomb and ultimately his resurrection. And so we're doing that in a series that we call The Ways of Jesus. And if you haven't checked out the website, waysofjesus.com, I highly encourage that resource to you. It references each of the stops along the way, has good historical geographic information. We have the messages from previous Sundays are on there, the daily devotional, so it's a good resource for you waysofjesus.com. And not unlike the traffic navigation app, when we're following the ways of Jesus, we get the benefits of real-time course correction in our lives. And when we do that as a part of the community of faith, the church, then we also get the benefit of crowdsourcing our journey so that we can share with each other about where the obstacles are and the speed traps and all the things that might cause us trouble along the way. And so we've been following the ways of Jesus uh, since he was in Caesarea Philippi at the mountain. And actually Luke says that it was here where Jesus turned his face towards Jerusalem and told his disciples about what was coming. But it was also here on the mountain where Jesus was transfigured, where the disciples saw him in a new way, and they heard the voice of God saying, listen to him. And so we've been listening to him. And he left from Caesarea Philippi and traveled to Capernaum, which is on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And it was here where Jesus told them, don't be the thing that would cause somebody to not trust in Jesus. Said a little differently, don't be a stick. And then he moved from Capernaum. It says he went south into the region of Judea and specifically beyond the Jordan. So east of the Jordan River, sort of on the fringes of what they would have considered their society. And it was here where Jesus told them, Greatness in God's economy is not measured by authority or power, but rather measured by sacrifice and service to one another. And then Jesus crossed over the Jordan River and went into Jericho. And in Jericho, we saw examples both from his experiences and his teachings that The interruptions in life are often the moments when we experience the grace and the love and the forgiveness of God and when we have the opportunity to extend those to other people. And so today we're going to continue to follow his journey as he went from Jericho to Bethany and Bethphage at the foot of the Mount of Olives which is about a mile and a half from Jerusalem. 
put it in perspective, that'd be the distance from here to the Roswell Area Park up on Woodstock Road. You could walk it. You could walk it. (laughs) But it's here in Bethany and Bethphage where we're going to read another exchange between Jesus and his followers who were with him on his way. And and I'm going to read it from Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 7. And we're going to put it up on the screen so you can follow along. And this is what it says. When Jesus and his followers approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Jesus gave two disciples a task, saying to them, Go into the village over there. As soon as you enter it, you'll find tied up there a colt that no one has ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, its master needs it, and he will send it back right away. They went out and found a colt tied to a gate outside on the street, and they untied it. Some people standing around said to them, what are you doing untying that colt? They told them just what Jesus said, and they left them alone. They brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes upon it, and he sat on it. And sitting on the colt, Jesus then rides into Jerusalem. And to read that story, really for face value, maybe doesn't sound like it's that meaningful or impactful. I mean, Jesus had come a long way, yet another mile and a half to go to Jerusalem, and he wanted a ride, so he called a first century lift and said, how about a colt? And they brought him a colt, a, a, a young donkey, to ride on into Jerusalem. But there's actually a lot deeper meaning to this story and uh, what Jesus does in this moment because it, it calls back to an Old Testament prophet. Zechariah. And in fact, I mean, the people who knew the scriptures then and knew the teachings of the prophet would have recognized what was going on. Because Zechariah prophesied about the Lord, the king, arriving into his kingdom, riding on a donkey, on a colt, a, a young donkey. And, and it's in that where we find, I think, the message that Jesus intended for the people to see and to hear and receive, and and not just back then, but for us today. But real quick, something about that that idea of the the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. Um, A lot of times we talk about, at least around the church, and when we start talking about prophecy and fulfillment of prophecy, and we would say, okay, so uh, the Old Testament prophet said that there will be a king who will ride in on a donkey, and Jesus rode in on a donkey, so therefore this is the fulfillment of the prophecy, and that identifies Jesus as the king, as the Messiah. And there's some merit to that. I will say we have to also acknowledge that Jesus knew that Zechariah had written that, and so... Jesus got a colt and rode in on the colt just like Zechariah said would happen. And so there's a sense in which Jesus sort of cheated. And he was like, well, they said this was going to be the Messiah, so I'm going to do what the Messiah was going to do. I'm, please be patient with me as I say Jesus cheated. <laughs> but this, I mean, this is, this is the honest conversation to be had about the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, particularly in this case, because 
Jesus knew what had been said, and so he was just acting out what had been said. So it, it's not like something miraculous occurred. Was, you know, I've, I've, and I've had this conversation with people that sometimes that becomes like circular logic. That, well, the Messiah is going to arrive on a donkey, so I'll arrive on a donkey. Therefore, I'm the Messiah. Well, you knew the Messiah was going to ride in on a donkey. Are you with me? Yeah, and I mean, there are, other, there are other Old Testament prophecies that talk about, you know, Jesus uh, or the Messiah, the king, being from a particular town or born to a virgin. These are things that he couldn't control. So, I mean, there are other Old Testament prophecies that point to Jesus. This is not to say that they don't. But here, I think, is the point of why Jesus did this. Not so much to say, look, I'm riding on a donkey, therefore I'm the Messiah, but more to say, I'm doing this to point you back to what Zechariah was writing to give you help to put context and understanding to what's happening right now. Not to prove that I'm the Messiah, but to say rather, the Messiah's doing this. Now look back at Zechariah to see what this means, to find the significance of it. And so we look back to Zechariah, the Old Testament prophet, particularly chapter 9 of Zechariah, and specifically verse 9 of chapter 9, where Zechariah says the king will arrive riding on a donkey, the colt of a donkey, as he comes into his kingdom. But Zechariah precedes that by saying, listen, God's judgment is coming for some of these nations and people groups, and it's not going to be pretty. But God is also going to deliver, going to take care of his people. And he's going to provide for them and he's going to defend them. And then Zechariah says, and when this happens, he will detach Jerusalem from the war horses. He will detach Ephraim from the chariots. He will detach them from the bows, their weapons of war. Indeed, God coming as the king and entering into his kingdom will bring an end to war, will separate them from their weapons. They will need them no more. I imagine that the people who heard that from Zechariah, who had been stockpiling chariots and war horses and bows, got a little uncomfortable probably even more so for the people who were reading and hearing the words of Zechariah and maybe even then watching what Jesus was doing in that moment, who were depending on their war horses and their chariots and their bows to say, when it hits the fan or when it goes down, this is what I will have on my side. When in fact what the prophet was saying and what Jesus was embodying was, nope, done with all that. We're being rid of all of those ways of war. And I'm ushering in, this is what Zechariah wrote, I'm ushering in peace. Peace for the world. In fact, Zechariah says that the Lord, the king, was going to make Zion into a bow and fill it with Ephraim. Ephraim was God's people, and, and so was Jerusalem, and so was Zion. Zion represented God's kingdom. And so what he was saying is instead of the chariots and the war horses and the bows, I'm going to make my people into a bow and use them 
to wage a war of peace in the world. So I look around today and I look for where God is waging a war of peace. Separating us from our tools for violence, death, and destruction. And instead, waging a war of peace among us. And he says, Zechariah says that the king will come in lowly, humble, riding on a baby donkey. And if you keep reading in Zechariah, the last chapter, chapter 14, Zechariah says, Then the king, when he establishes his kingdom forever and ever, will plant his feet on the Mount of Olives. And split it into the north and the south and make a valley between it. And this valley will be your way. And in fact, it is on the Mount of Olives where Jesus plants his feet. I don't want to give away the ending to the story. But after the resurrection, after the resurrection when he's with his disciples for the last time before he ascends into heaven, he's on the Mount of Olives. And he plants his feet there to say to them, this is the way. My way is the way. The way that you've been waiting for, that you've been anticipating. And the way that Jesus ushers in God's kingdom of peace is what we're particularly interested in today because how he did it was so contrary to how people were expecting it to be done and, quite frankly, how we look for it even now. He did it riding on a donkey, on a colt, a baby donkey, riding into Jerusalem. He didn't do it with a military parade or with a show of force or riding on a high horse. In fact, it was exactly the opposite. Jesus arrived into his kingdom humbly, quietly, peacefully, below eye level. You know the Latin word for soil, for earth, humus, kind of like humus, the same root as the word for human. It means soil and earth of the earth. It's, it's the same root where we get our word humility. To understand the king arriving into his kingdom in humility is to understand that there's something about the salvation of Jesus that's very earthly, base, common to every person. When Jesus rides into Jerusalem on that colt, he's bringing the kingdom of God low.
when so often then and now we look high. We look for the highest steeple, the highest office, the most power, the biggest show, the biggest demonstration of force and authority. And in one example, Jesus brought all of that down low and said humility is the way of the kingdom of God. You know, an enemy of humility is pride. You've heard it said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So I wonder if the same is true about pride then. Just say, Pride's not thinking more of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself more. (laughs) Me. Mine. What I want. What I like. My rights. My preferences. John Blackwell wrote a book on pride and he says, The deadly sin of pride runs roughshod over God's finest artwork. Our fellow human beings. One of the early church fathers, John Chrysostom, said of humility that humility is the root mother, nurse, foundation, and bond of all virtue. And so we see in Zechariah's prophecy and in the actions of Jesus that the humility of Christ is the birth of his revolution of peace. Shalom for the world. So to see the divine arrival, to receive the salvation of Jesus, is to look low. To look in the eyes of the people you never see. To look at the plight of the most vulnerable among us. To look to the human who barely got a ride to town. You know, before we started this morning, every Sunday, our our team, all the musicians, all the folks in the booth, anybody who's speaking, we gather together and we pray together. And we prayed today for a friend of one of our musicians who just got released from custody from ICE, who was being held on a technicality and praising God for their release, but at the same time acknowledging all the people that they saw and that they were with who were still being held and held in such a way and for such bond that, they, that it doesn't even look like they'll see freedom. And to see the divinity of Christ, to see the kingdom of God is to see the people who nobody else sees. That's why here at Chapel Roswell, we partner locally with organizations like North Fulton Community Charities and the Child Development Association, and the Drake House. That's why we encourage people to contribute and participate and be a part of the work that these organizations are doing right here in our community on behalf of and for the sake of and to bless people like that child. God bless her. I'm used to that at home. (laughs) 
when I start talking. It's the same reason that our band played the beer festival last year here in Roswell to, to raise money for the Star House and to be present there where no other church was. To say, we see you. God sees you. God loves you. These are the places where Jesus goes. And when Jesus came riding in on the donkey, this was his way of saying, this is who I am. And the truth is, I suspect there's several people who are in here this morning feeling low. Unworthy. Humiliated. Broken. Looked over. Forgotten. And so much of the message that you receive in our culture is about fixing that, changing that, hiding that, managing that. Because you need to look a certain way and present yourself a certain way. You got to manage your brand. But the holy blessed truth of this story of Jesus riding into his kingdom on, the, on a baby donkey in that low place is that low place where you are is right where Christ came to meet you. You don't have to go anywhere else, be anything else, anything more. Jesus is saying, I came for you right there. I came to bring my peace in your life, the fulfillment of life, the fullness of life, for you. You don't have to get out of there and get somewhere high and be something else. Jesus has come for you, to you, right where you are. And this is good news. So maybe today, right in that low place, it's time for you to receive the gift of life from the king. I don't know if you even noticed as you were coming in today or finding your seat or making your way around, but there's a lot of little labels, stickers that look like this all over the chapel. And there's, they're different kinds. They have different words or phrases on them that come from Experiences that Jesus had in the scriptures with people in low places. Teachings of Jesus about what it means to follow him. Examples of where we find ourselves in those kinds of places even today. But in just a minute when we sing our last song, I, I'm inviting you to be aware. Look. And most of them are in unexpected, low places, places you might not normally look. But as we sing, take a minute to look and notice those things and those ways about Jesus. And 
Hey, as you're doing that, would you realize the fact that all around you every day, (laughs) Jesus is there? And it's usually, it's most often in those low places. Just be aware of that as we sing. Be cognizant of the presence of the King with you and around you. And if you want to get up, if you see one and you're like, I wonder what that one says, and you want to go over and have a look at it, please feel free to do that. You're not confined to your seats. But, but as we sing, take a minute to observe and be aware of where Jesus is in your life and around us today in these low places. Just a couple of more things before we do. One is that as we sing, this is also our time to give back to God, to give our offering, God's tithe. And so the ways that you can do that are up on the screen in front of you. If you want to be a part of moving this message of the kingdom of God further and further into our world and into the low places, this is one tangible way you can do that, is by giving of what you have. And I also want to remind you that if you're in here this morning and there's something you'd like for someone to pray with you about or for, we have people who are here, who are trained, are called, just pray with you. They're here every Sunday by that stained glass window and that one as well. So as we sing, if you want to make your way over there and have someone pray with you, they've got name tags and they'll be happy to do that. But before we sing, I want to ask you if we could pray together. And maybe you've already seen one of those stickers or you're going to look around in a minute and you'll see them and it'll call to mind for you something about you or an experience you've had or you read in the Bible or maybe it's just making you aware of being more aware of where Jesus is in the low places in our lives and in our world. God, this is our prayer. That we would be mindful of you mindful of the way your kingdom comes, the way the king arrived into his kingdom to his throne. Not with a big parade and fanfare and riding high, but in the low places, the common places. Even the hurting and the broken places. So that we would know for ourselves and for our world that You are arriving into our lives and into our world right there in those low places, in those broken places. And it's there where we see you. It's there where we engage in the life that you created us for. It's there where we be your church for the world today. Oh God, fill us to overflowing. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.